But let's jump into the Word of God this morning. If you've got your Bible, open it to the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 16. Probably don't have to read it. Um, if you have ever been in, to vacation Bible school in your life, or church camp, or Sunday school, or even church period, you probably know this verse by heart. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to just say it out loud with me. Ready? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can we pray this morning? Father, today we turn our attention fully and completely to your word. God, we thank you for the worship, for the young kids, for everything that's taken place already in this place this morning. We just pray now your special anointing upon your word. Help me, God, not to add one thing of my own opinions or my own thoughts. Lord, for me to add anything to it is to pollute the entire thing. So, Lord, today, speak to us, produce faith in us, and let us see you today in all of your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 Back in the year 1602, there was a man by the name of William Shakespeare. How many of you have ever heard of him? And he's wrote several plays, but one particular play he wrote was called Hamlet. And in that play, there was a phrase that everybody knows. You don't have to know anything about Hamlet. In fact, I didn't. I, I, everybody knows the phrase, to be or not to be, that is the question, right? We've heard that, all you see it on TV shows, cartoons, and we hear that phrase. I didn't really know what that meant. And so I looked it up, and in this play, uh, Prince Hamlet is basically giving a speech to a group of people, and ultimately he is contemplating suicide. When he says to be or not to be, he's ultimately saying to live or not to live. That's my question. That's my dilemma. He was pondering how horrible life can be, the pains and the troubles of life, and he's trying to weigh that, wondering if the pains of death would be worse. Is it better to die? Is it better to live? To be or not to be ultimately is, is the question. And so in this particular scripture, uh, Jesus is talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And in this, uh, in this conversation, basically the, the question comes up, and this is the title of my message this morning, to believe or not to believe. That is really ultimately the question. So in this building up to John 3.16 that everybody knows, you may not know what, why Jesus said this. Why, was, why did Jesus um, say this? Who was he saying it to? And he's ultimately speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, a, a spiritual leader, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. The Bible says that he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. He had seen Jesus on many occasions uh, ministering to people, working miracles, all the things that Jesus did, and he knew that there was something to Jesus. He couldn't have just been another man. There was something to him, but he just couldn't quite bring himself to fully believe. So by night, he sneaks around, he goes to Jesus, and, and wants to fill him out a little bit. And this is what Nicodemus says to Jesus. He says this, We know that you must be a teacher come from God, because nobody could do these things that you do, the miracles that he was performing. Nobody could do this stuff unless God was with him. Okay, And so in this, Nicodemus is confessing two things that people many times will confess, but we find it's just not good enough. What I want you to see in this sermon this morning is that it matters what we believe. 
It's more than just a common belief. It matters what we believe. So Nicodemus, in this statement, he acknowledged, first of all, that he believes in God. Amen? He said, I believe in God, and a lot of people do. He even believed that Jesus was better than most men, that he must have come from God. And Jesus' response to this was, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but Jesus' response to that was, it's not good enough. How many of you know it takes more than just a general belief in God to make it to heaven? A lot of people believe in God. That's not enough to save us from our sins. The, the scripture goes on, James goes on to say, even the devils and the demons in hell believe in God. So to believe in a, the existence of an almighty being, that doesn't put us any farther ahead than Satan himself. He had a generic belief in Jesus. I mean, he knew that Jesus must come from God. And a lot of people, even in our day in society, will, will tip their hat to Jesus. He was a good teacher. He, was, he existed. He was a historical figure. But Jesus said, a man must be born again in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not just a belief in God, not just a generic belief in Jesus. To believe in Jesus or not to believe in Jesus is the real question. The most, question, the most important question in society and in the human race. To be a Christian or not to be a Christian. To be a follower of Jesus or to not be a follower of Jesus. And how many of you know you can, you can be a confessor of Jesus without being a follower of Jesus, and that's not what he's looking for? To come into the light or to stay in darkness. That was the theme of our entire camp, right? That we have the light or the darkness of sin that everybody in the world is in. And Jesus providing a light that we might come out of darkness, and it is our choice to decide the light or the darkness. That's the question. To believe in Jesus or not to believe in Jesus. It's kind of like I was thinking about this morning, I was kind of thinking about the groundhog on Groundhog's Day. You know, the whole point of all of that is this groundhog is in a cave, he's in the dark. And he comes out of the dark into the light, and everybody's watching to see what he's going to do when he gets in the light. When he's exposed to the light, what's he going to do? One of two things. What are we watching for? He's either going to go, no thank you, and turn around and go back into his hole, or he's going to say, all right, I dig it. And he's going to go on about, and that's how they determine how much winter is left, right? Not much to that. But the point of the story is this, that in a sense, you and I, every human being on the face of the planet has to make that same decision. We are all lost and we're all in darkness. No matter how good of a person we are, we're born into sin and therefore are on the path to destruction, death, and hell, and the, and the whole bit. So we're in darkness, but Jesus came to be the light so that we don't have to stay in darkness. So when we are exposed to the light, meaning when we are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we are presented with the truth, we have to make a decision either to say, no, thank you, I don't like the light, it exposes the sin in my life, I would rather cling to the sin in my life, and we turn around and we stay in the darkness, or we decide, I like the light. I, I want to know that my soul is secure in the, ar in the arms of my Creator, and we go out into the light. It's the decision that we all have to make to believe or not to believe. Amen? That is ultimately the real question. Got to be born again, Nicodemus. There's got to be a change that takes place in your life. I, I, can you understand this morning that it's one thing to say, yes, okay, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus that he died on the cross for my sins. It's another thing to say, God, I want my life to reflect you. 
I want, Lord, to follow you. I want you to have your way in my life. Make of me what you want to make of me. Change me in the ways that you want to change me. There's a difference, amen? A general belief in God's not enough. An intellectual belief in Jesus is not quite enough. Jesus is looking for a full and complete life surrender, amen? We've been studying the book of James on Wednesday nights, and he, he presses so hard that there's a difference in being a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. There's a big difference in a hollow confession of Jesus Christ and the desire to follow, a true belief in who Jesus is. You know, we read about a young man in the Bible. He doesn't even give a name. We call him the rich young ruler. And we know how that when he come to Jesus and he said, hey, I believe in you. What do I got to do to be saved? Jesus said to him, sell all your possessions, come and follow me, and you'll have eternal life. And we know, according to Scripture, he didn't want no part of that. He come into the light, and he's like, Oh, no, that, that's going to require too much of me. That's, that's uncomfortable. So he turned and went back into the darkness. He didn't want the light. He made the decision, ultimately, not to believe. So this man is like a lot of people in the world even today. This rich young ruler, he believed in Jesus enough to talk to him, but he didn't believe in him enough to follow him. There's a lot of people you talk to and say, you talk to them about the Lord, you talk to them about their soul. Oh, well, I pray. Oh, great. You can, read a, you can buy a book of prayers that, Oh, I pray. I talk to God. It's more than just talking to God. God's not looking for a conversation in passing. He's looking for an intimate relationship in which you follow him. The rich young ruler believed just a little enough, but not enough to commit and follow Jesus wherever Jesus would lead. What we believe matters. Everything in our life hinges on what we believe. Our life and our eternity. We look to Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, and our Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be our Lord? It means that our life, we believe in him for the things in our life. I believe that Jesus will guide me in how to be a, a husband. I believe that in my life, Jesus will, will guide me in how to be a father, how to be a worker in the church and in the kingdom of God. So we believe in Jesus for our life, and we believe in Jesus for our eternity. What did he say in John 3, 16? Whosoever believes in me should not what? But have what kind of life? Everlasting life. Our eternal soul all hinges on whether or not we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? Not whether or not we're a good person, not whether we go to church, not whether we say some sort of canned prayer every once in a while, whether we truly honestly believe Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus looked at his disciples. There's a question that Jesus asked them and he asks of every human being. It's the question that decides whether we go to heaven or hell. And that question is this. Who do you say that I am? Ultimately, do you believe that I am who I say I am? Do you believe that I not only came from God, I am God? You have to, we have to believe that in order to be saved. It's not a belief that we muster up and try to conjure. It's, it's a belief in which once we take all of the pride, the human pride, and we lay it aside and we humble ourselves and say, God, I am a sinner. I need your mercy. I need your love and your forgiveness. We have just, the Holy Spirit is able to open our eyes to the light and to see the truth that he might enable us to believe. Unbelief is what gives sin power over our life. But belief is what gives God power over our life. 
Now think about that. I'll say it again. I want that to soak in. Unbelief is what gives sin its power in our life. But belief is what gives God power in our life. Unbelief ultimately is, if you think about it, it's kind of the source of every sin. Every sin kind of stems out of unbelief. Not necessarily an unbelief in the existence of God, meaning that if, you, if we, we sin, it's because we stop believing in God. No, no, no. It's just, it's, it's just unbelief in the sense of, will God really do what he said he was going to do? It's, I believe in God, but I don't believe in what he says. Right? I mean, you kind of look at Adam and Eve, right? When they sinned against God, what was the heart of their sin? What, what caused their sin? What caused them to eat the fruit? It wasn't because they quit believing in God. It was because they quit believing in what God said. God said, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. They ate the fruit because of unbelief. They didn't believe God would do that. You read within Scripture. You don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter number 3 is talking about the nation of Israel and what unbelief ultimately cost them. And this is in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verses, oddly enough, I didn't even plan this. I just noticed this this morning. That, you know, these scriptures that Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus, John 3, 16 through 19, when he's talking about the importance of belief. And it just so happens that Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, is talking about the importance of belief. Amen? Coincidence? Nah, I don't think so. Hebrews chapter 3, if you look in verse 16, says this. Speaking again of the nation of Israel many, many years before this takes place. He says, for, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient, so we see that they were unable to enter because of, say it, doesn't, aren't those words just nasty in your mouth? You hate to even say them. He's talking about God's people who ultimately God had a, a great plan for. I mean, this is not just that God's got a great plan for your life message, but he does. I mean, God, he wanted to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land where they, they were blessed. And they just absolutely would, could not go in. God could not take them where he wanted to take them. God could not do in them what he wanted to do in them just simply because of their unbelief. That's the scripture. And I believe that it's still the same in God's people today. I believe that where we are in our faith and in our walk with God and in our work for the kingdom of God, that there is, there is where God wants to take us and there's where we're at. Amen? Where does God want to take us in 2019? What does God want to do through Dennis? What does God want to do through Crossway Fellowship Church? Amen? And God will take us there if we believe for him to take us there. Unbelief kept people out of the promises of God then, and unbelief keeps people out of the promises of God now. Well, unbelief keeps people from receiving salvation, but belief, faith, it's, it's the green light. It's, it's the green light that God needs in our life. If you're sitting, if you're sitting in an intersection and you're watching the, the, the stoplight, at an intersection, that's the most important element, is it not? You're not watching all the other traffic or the pedestrians. You're watching, unless you're taking a second to send your text or something. But ultimately, the, spot, the spotlight, not the spotlight, the stoplight is the most important thing. The spotlight, no, the stoplight tells you what to do. I'm going to, well, maybe we'll get to a spotlight here in a minute. I don't know. You're looking, and when, when the stoplight gives you a green light, what does it tell you? You can go. 
you are free at that point to go anywhere you want to go and do anything you want to do. If you want to change lanes, you can. If you want to turn left or right, you can. You can, you can do whatever you want to. The green light says, go. I pull the stops out. When we give God, when we believe in God and what God has said and what God wants to do, we are giving God the green light in our life to do what he wants to do. Take me where you want me to go, God. Do change me in the areas that you want me to change. Take out what you want to take out. Put in what you want to put in. I believe that you're, you have my best interest at heart. That whatever you do in my life, I will be blessed. I give you the green light. That's what faith says. That's what belief says. As opposed to the red light that just says, I don't believe. I'm going to stay right here, God. I don't want nothing to do with this. And there's a lot of people with that red light. A lot of people, they call themselves atheists. Why is that? Because they don't have any belief. I think that there's probably a lot of times, even amongst the church, that we give God the red light. Oh, we believe in God and his existence. We believe that Jesus took our sins away. But we don't maybe necessarily believe in what God wants to do through us. And so we just put up that red light. And God, unless we activate our faith in him, there's only so much God can do in our life. Our unbelief. Think about God who created the universe that everything, all the power of God at his fingertips to do whatever he wants to do. And he's limited by one thing. Our unbelief. At least what he wants to do in our life. Our, our unbelief is not going to stop God from doing what he wants to do in his creation. But in our life, the one thing that will stop God from, from having his way and being God is if I give him the, the red light and I don't believe him for it. Sometimes we, we, we're, we're probably, most of us, are probably a little bit more comfortable with the yellow light. Right? We're not saying... You know, God, stay out. I don't believe in you, but we're not saying just do what you want to either. It's kind of a, God, slow down, right? You know, the yellow light is ultimately for Just slow down. It's cautionary. You know, I'm not going. I'm not stopping. And we always have that thing to decide, you know, okay, do I gas it or do I slam on the brakes? I don't know for sure, but I think there's a possibility in the, in the weeks to come. I may have a ticket, ticket coming in the mail from the state of Arizona. I don't know. I found out, you know, Missouri took their, you know, they can't do the camera thing anymore. Arizona still does that. They have the cameras, and there was just, you know how it is. You're coming up, you're thinking, do I gas it? Do I break it? And so it's more fun to gas it. And so I gas it and ran through, and it, it turned red. So I'm kind of on edge expecting this ticket. But anyway, uh, the yellow light, God, just, I don't want to give you full control. Just go cautiously. And God says, look, I, if you really want me to do in your life what I want to do, I've got to have a full green light. Belief is what gives God the power in your life. Amen? We need it. It's, it's the fuel, if you will, of the vehicle of God's blessing. You can have the newest vehicle that rolls off the assembly floor. It can have all kinds of power. It can have four-wheel drive. It can have a big block. It can have everything, all this power and capability. But if you don't put fuel in it, it's a big heap of junk. It's no good to you at all unless you put fuel in it. And God says, all of this power I have, all of these things I want to do in my people and for my people and through my people, but the fuel without belief on the part of God's people, I can't do anything. i got to have that belief and that power. Jesus, if you don't believe that, you say, oh, nothing can limit God. Let me tell you something. We read, you don't turn there, but Matthew 13, 58 is talking about Jesus. First of all, he said he couldn't really do a whole lot in his hometown 
I mean, Jesus could go off to a country where nobody knew him, and people would flock, and they would believe in him. But at his own hometown, everybody was like, yeah, that's just the carpenter's son. But the, so the Bible says this, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do anywhere else he went where there was faith. He could do all of these great works, heal blind people, raise dead people back from the grave, all of these great things God did. But here, he could not, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In a sense, Jesus' hands were tied. He was looking for faith. Faith and belief is something that God desperately wants to see in his people, but I think is concerned whether or not he's going to find it. Jesus even said this. This is a quote from Jesus. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find any faith on the earth? It's like Jesus is looking around. He couldn't even get the people in his most closest circle, his own disciples. He couldn't even get them just to fully believe. And in a sense, Jesus is like, if I can't get my people to believe, how am I ever going to get the entirety of the world to believe? You imagine what it would be like if every born-again Christian on the planet really started believing God? I'm not talking about believing in the existence of God. I'm talking about really started believing in God and asking him to do great and mighty things. Can you imagine what would take place in this world if God can get his people to believe, then he can get the rest of the world to believe too. Amen? Unbelief cripples the church. If there's, if there's one thing I think that we as a church should bind together and pray against, it's unbelief. I mean, we want to pray for brotherly love. We need brotherly love in our church. But if we get rid of the unbelief, I believe brotherly love will take care of itself. Amen? There was a, a time in Scripture, there was a man that came to, to Jesus, and he, his son was demon-possessed, completely under the power of Satan. He comes to Jesus and he said, my, my son is demon-possessed, and I brought him to your disciples, asking them to cast out this demon, and they could not do it. And Jesus was frustrated with that. I mean, this, to me, this convicts me. I mean, Jesus was frustrated. He expected that his disciples should be able to do more than they were able to do. I wonder, I wonder when God looks at his church today, us included, does he look at us and say, you know, you guys could do so much more than you're doing. That's not to downcast what we do. It's just that we want to have power when we do what we do. Amen? I want to see people delivered. I want to see people who are bound by, by sin. I want to see people set free. I want to see people who don't believe in Jesus start believing in Jesus. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about just a generic faith where they put their name in a, a church membership, get, the, you know, get baptized and go about their merry way. I, I want to see people saved in such a way that their life changes. I mean, that it begins a path in which the rest of their life they are passionately serving the Lord. That's what God is looking for. And he was frustrated that his people, his church, couldn't do more than they could do. And so the disciples, they know, they know that Jesus is kind of aggravated with them. They couldn't cast this demon out. So they come to Jesus later and they say, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus said, because of your, can you guess? Because of your unbelief. You guys, I know that you have faith and you, you believe in me, but you're, you're still struggling with giving me the full green light. It was your unbelief that kept you from doing what ultimately you could have done. He said, if you have faith, I mean, he didn't say, I mean, there were times he said, oh, you have little faith. But this time he just said, yeah, didn't have any faith at all. If you had faith just the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. 
There just wasn't enough faith there. Disciples struggled with unbelief like many of us do. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand. I've struggled with unbelief. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that my faith has been perfect from the day I got saved. We're God's people. We've seen it in in his disciples that struggled with unbelief, and and it it limited them. It crippled them. But then we find where the Holy Spirit came in, and, and they come to a place of full surrender. They came to a place in their life where they gave God the full green light, and faith began to stir. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as their faith began to increase, their belief began to increase, then they were able to cast out demons and to heal folks. Then we, we, we read about the power of God that was working in their life because they learned how to believe God. God help us just to learn how to believe you, how to trust you. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind, why, why couldn't we cast out the devils? Because of your unbelief. This kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. And a lot of times we look at that as, as thinking Jesus is talking about the demons. These kind of demons, you can't cast them out unless you pray and fast a lot. And I'm not, there may be an element to that. But I think Jesus is talking more about their unbelief. This kind, this kind of unbelief doesn't go out, doesn't leave without prayer, without fasting without seeking God with a whole heart. And as, as, as unbelief in the heart of the believer loses control, power automatically takes over and God automatically is able to do through us what he needs to do. Man, Jesus looks at this father, this broken father, who, who has watched his son. If you read that whole story, the Bible says that his son would fall in the fire. The demon that was in him would throw him into the fire. He would foam at the mouth, and he would wallow, and he'd be cast in, into water. It was everything, everything this loving father could do just to keep his son alive because of the demonic power that wanted to kill him. And he comes in desperation, and the disciples couldn't do it, and finally he comes to Jesus, and he said, please deliver my son. And Jesus asked him a simple question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? If you believe that I'm able to do this, all things are possible to those who believe. What is Jesus saying? I believe, I believe it's the same promise to all of us today. Jesus would look at all of us when we pray and we ask God to work in our life. I believe that Jesus would say to us, do you believe? So many people he asked that to. Blind Bartimaeus had, couldn't see and he cries out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me of my blindness. What did Jesus ask him? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? What is the fuel? What is God looking for in all of us? He's looking for belief. We have to decide to believe or not to believe. But when we learn and we allow God to teach us how to believe, he pulls out all the stops. Jesus says to this father, do you believe I'm able to do this? And and I love the father's response. He didn't muster up some really holy answer. Oh, yes, I believest in thou, O Lord, and... The, the man was honest. He was just plain old vulnerable honest with Jesus. And this man said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe in all the works that you do. But he just acknowledged that as a human being, the enemy's working against that faith. And Lord, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. He basically acknowledged 
he ain't even got the full green light. He still has a little bit of unbelief in there, but he recognizes that that can hinder what God wants to do, and he, he commits that weakness to God. Jesus, you know what Jesus said? Now, Jesus didn't look at the guy and say, well, I'll tell you what, you unbeliever. You just admitted to me that you have some unbelief. So I'll tell you what, you go and get rid of that unbelief, muster up all the faith that you can muster, then come back and talk to me, and we'll see what we can do about your son. That's not what Jesus said. The man was honest and said, I've got some, I believe, but I'm struggling with this unbelief. Jesus, in his heart of love and compassion, he cast the devil out of this man's son and completely set him free. God's not looking, looking for you and I to muster up some sort of pretend faith. He wants us to be honest. God, I do believe in you, but I'm struggling with unbelief in this area. I'm struggling with unbelief in that area. Lord, I'm sorry. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll get the same mercy that this guy got. Hallelujah. And take what belief we do have and add to it and strengthen it. And, and you'll be, we find throughout our life that, that day by day, God begins to peel back the layers of unbelief, strip away from us all that works against our faith. Jesus, or, or the Bible says that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. What does that mean? It means that every human being has the, cap, the capacity and the capability of believing in God. We have the ability ingrained in us. God, when he created us, he installed a measure of faith. I'm going to give, I look at it like this. It's like God gave every person just enough faith to get saved with. Amen. So that every human being can come to the knowledge and the belief of Jesus Christ. And when we exercise that faith and we, we put our faith and our trust and we believe in God, that belief, that, str or that, or that, uh, that faith, it only grows stronger. God says, I've, got, I've given you enough to do something with. And this man says, I, I believe, but I want you to take away my unbelief. What greater honest prayer is there than that? Do you believe? That's the question this morning. Everybody has to answer. To believe or not to believe? That is a question. Is the, is the pains and the struggles of being a Christian and the battles that I'm going to face as, from the devil, is that worth the pains of living through life without God? I'm going to tell you something. Everything, folks, in Christ is worth it. Everything's worth it. Because, again, it's, it's not about this life. It's about the end. If my eternal soul all hinges on whether or not I believe in Jesus, that's what I should be focused on. This life is temporary. Eternity is forever. Hell is forever. Heaven is forever. There's no out. There's no temporary trial period. It's, it's death and into eternity. Whether, we, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell. And it's forever. That's something we need to contemplate. Don't get so caught up and. Why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. We get all caught up in, in what we believe about this life. And Jesus said, I want you to believe about what I can do for you in the next life. That's what this is really all about. That's what believing in Jesus is all about. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have a perfect life in this world. That wasn't a promise Jesus made. Whosoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Paul, if you read in the 26th chapter of, of Acts, we read where Paul comes in contact with a king. His name was Agrippa. Paul had been arrested uh, 
Paul had been arrested because he was preaching the gospel and so on and so forth. And so there's a whole lot of things that's happened to Paul. But in a sense, Paul's in prison and uh, King Agrippa hears about Paul. And he says, I want to hear him for myself. And so they bring Paul in and Agrippa says, tell me your story. And so Paul begins to describe how he was a Pharisee, how, you know, he was, he was passionate passionate about stopping the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was honest and said, I put people in prison. I killed people. I signed off on the deaths and execution of Christians. I did everything I could to stop the teaching of Jesus. But one day I was on my way to Damascus, going there with a license to kill and imprison Christians, and I saw the light. <laughs> Amen? On my horse as I'm traveling down the road, a bright light shines to the degree that it blinded me, and I fell off my horse. And throughout that, he tells, he tells the story of his conversion and how he got saved. He said, and now, and I'm paraphrasing this, but you can read it. He says, now I go everywhere I can. Everybody who will listen, and I'm telling them that Jesus is Lord, that he is the light, and that he saves, he and he alone saves souls from eternal hell, and that that Jesus who was crucified for the sins of mankind, because the prophets, and he goes on to say, because the, Agrippa, you know. Agrippa was familiar with the Jewish history. He said, you know that the Messiah is to suffer, was to suffer and die, and he did. But I also know that that Messiah rose from the dead. He gives him the whole gospel. Tells him who Jesus is. He died and he bled for all of us, but he also rose from the dead. And Festus, Festus or Felix, I forget which, the, the, the Roman governor stands up and he starts laughing. Paul, you're nuts, man. All this learning is just making you crazy. You, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and Paul looks right straight at King Agrippa. Now think about this. He's talking to the king. Not just talking to a good old boy on the street. He's talking to the king. He looks him in the eye. He said, Agrippa, you know these things that I've said. And he asked him a simple question. Do you believe? Same question God's asking Always has asked and is still asking. Do you believe? And this was King Agrippa's response. Listen to this carefully. This was King Agrippa's response as he is exposed to the light and has to make a decision to believe or not to believe. That is the question. Agrippa says to Paul, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Agrippa listens to the compelling arguments, and, and he senses the Holy Spirit is dealing with him. And he realizes there's something to it, but when it comes down to it, do you believe or not believe? Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And he sends Paul on his way. Couldn't decide whether he believed or not. And how many of you know that indecision is a decision? So you say, I don't know for sure. Agnostic, to be agnostic, which basically means I don't know what I believe. That's to not believe. Do you believe? Ah, almost. I've often wondered about King Agrippa, you know, because that happened 2,000 years ago. And Agrippa at that point had all the power in the world. He was a king. But Agrippa died just the same as everybody else. Agrippa is in eternity somewhere right now. I mean, as we sit here today in June, what is this, 30th, something? 2019, we all sit here trying to decide to believe or not to believe. And in all these 2,000 years, Agrippa, he still exists. He's not alive on this earth, but 
he still is alive in eternity. Now, we don't know what happened from there. I hope that later on, King Agrippa began to think about what Paul said. I hope that King Agrippa came to a point in his life where he said, you know what, I do believe. This makes sense, and, and I, I do believe God helped my unbelief. And he may have turned into a great Christian man, and he may be in heaven right now today. But if he didn't, if he never went any further with what he believed, if he left it, if he died saying, well, I almost believed and I'm almost a Christian, Agrippa to this very day is in hell. Can you imagine that? For 2,000 years, he's been in hell because he would not believe. He was on the fence. 2,000 years from now, he'll still be in hell. Two million years from now, he'll still be in hell. 200 bajillion years from now. I'm not sure what's after a bajillion, so don't ask me. He'll still be in hell. Whosoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me just leave you with, I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself here as I close this. And I didn't, I didn't even give these verses to Jennifer, okay? Because I'm, I'm going to just tear through a bunch of them very, very quickly. I just want you to listen, okay? I want you to be trying to find it. I just want you to listen, a whole bunch of verses. I'm going to let the word of God speak for itself. Matthew 9, 28, Jesus said, When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Mark 1 and 15, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 5, 36, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. John 8, 24, For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. John 20, 27 through 29, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have, seen, who have not seen and yet have believed. Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Romans 10, 9 through 11, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. 1 Peter 1, 8-9, though, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The King James says, the joy that is joy unspeakable and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The outcome of your faith, the end result of your belief, the salvation of your souls. What's the key? And I mean, this is a drop in the bucket. If I had pulled out every scripture that compels us and demands that we believe and have faith in God, we would be here for another hour. The key ingredient in everything, life, death, eternity, blessings of God, cursings of God, salvation, death, hell, heaven. The key thing is whether or not we believe in Jesus. Do you believe? To believe in Jesus or not to believe in Jesus? That's the question that you have to answer this morning. It's a question that each one of us answers. 